I want to do a deep dive of the EI premium reduction program because I feel like every week I discover a plan that desperately needs to use this program. But when you talk to people, so many people are so confused and oblivious. So I'm going to tell you what the EI premium reduction program is in Canada, as if I'm talking to my four and a half, five-year-old son. I'm going to try to break it down as basic as possible. I think I've been talking about this for over 15 years and I still run across confusion and I run across people who are probably too embarrassed to say that they have no idea what I'm talking about. So here we go. Explain it like, okay, maybe not five, maybe that you're eight years old. Okay. So we live in Canada. In Canada, we have government benefits. One of those benefits is that if you get sick, and because you get sick, you lose your money, meaning the money that you earn from your day-to-day -day job. The government, assuming you are a valid Canadian, the government could pay you 55% of your salary, 55% of your weekly earnings, to a maximum of 26 weeks, which is the same as six months, but they will not pay you more than, it's about $600 a week now. Um, and I say about $600 a week now because they change the number every single year. And here, I'm gonna find it on this website. But while I'm looking for the number, all that you really need to know is if you're talking to an employer or you're listening this and you're an employer, there's a lot of money that businesses can save if they say to the government, hey, government, we really appreciate that when someone is sick and they're used up all their sick days, they've used up all their vacation days and there's no paid days left. Well, we appreciate that instead of that person not coming to work and receiving no money from the employer, from the job, from the boss, that the government will pay them some money. However, hey government, I'm speaking now as if I'm the employer, I realize that we pay taxes so that you can cover people's pay. And part of that taxes is what we call payroll taxes. In Canada, there, is, there are three types of payroll taxes, three main types. One is income tax that goes into general revenues. The second one is Canada Pension Plan or CPP, which goes into your pension that you earn for working in Canada. Those two are mandatory. The third mandatory payroll tax is called EI, employment insurance. It used to be called UI, unemployment insurance. If you're old school like me, you'll remember we just called it what it was. You're unemployed, here's insurance. Now they call it employment insurance. I think it's a little gentler and it's probably a little bit more true to form. So if the employer says to the government, hey government, I don't mind opting out of just the EI sickness portion, not the full EI. We still wanna pay EI taxes because if somebody loses their job for any reason, such as shortage of work, termination, there's, there's many, many different reasons why you might need to access EI, maternity leave, parental leave, et cetera, compassionate leave. Um, we recognize that a sliver of the premiums or the taxes we pay to the government are to cover the EI sickness benefit. So if an employer says, hey, 
We would like to save money on our payroll taxes. We want to reduce our EI premiums. We want you, government, to remove the part of our EI taxes that go to cover sickness benefits. And you know what? We will pay the employee. Government says, sure, that's great. <laughs> that's a good program. Actually, you know, obviously the government would have rolled it out first. I'm just kind of speaking in the most rudimentary way, simple way possible. So if you flip it around, the government's saying to employers, look, like if you want to take the burden away from us and you want to pay your staff when they're sick for up to six months paid, 55% of earnings up to a maximum of about over $600 a week. We're in the year 2023. It goes up every year for inflation. Government says, hey, that's great. Thanks for doing that. We are going to give you a break on your EI premiums. Okay. So there's some basic requirements that must be met. Before I go into the basic requirements, I need you to understand the concept of EI premiums. And the concept is that both the employee and the employer pay into these premiums. The employee pays a little bit less than half of the EI premiums. They pay five twelfths. So five out of 12 of the dollars that we send to the government is what the employee paid. The other seven twelfths, the seven out of 12 dollars is what the employer pays. So that's going to come into factor later on when we talk about who shares the savings and how you do that. And so we, when they talk about the rate, it's Sometimes they'll say here, the EI premiums are at a rate that's lower than the standard employer rate of 1.4 times the employee's EI premiums. All that means is that for every dollar of EI taxes or EI premiums that the employee has to send the government for this benefit, the employer has to send a dollar and 40 cents. So that's what they mean by employer rate of 1.4 times the employee's EI premiums. They're saying, hey, we're gonna both put a dollar in, employer puts another 40 cents in, we send the $2.40 to the government. And in exchange, when we're sick, we get to go off. However, so government says you can actually save money. And I'm gonna tell you, there's a lot of money that can be saved depending upon the size of the company. So short-term disability plans registered with the premium reduction program may have an elimination period before the payment of benefits, similar to the EI period. What is an elimination period? I'm assuming if you're listening or watching this, you know what that means. If you don't, it just means um, how much time does that person have to wait before they're able to collect benefits? And the concept and the logic of why insurance programs have an elimination period or a waiting period is to try to prevent overuse. If I know that um, I can claim this right away, we might have a lot more claims than, wait a minute, you actually have to wait and be unpaid for one or two weeks. It's a concept in insurance, you can just accept it. Um, some companies don't have an elimination period. They say, no, 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 it's not fair. You should go, we should not go without one day and that's their choice. So the basic requirements that must be met, okay? To be considered for a premium reduction, the plan that provides short-term disability benefits to employees must, it says here, provide at least 15 weeks of benefits for short-term disability. However, there's a big asterisk on that because since December 18th, 2022, the maximum number of weeks of EI sickness benefits has increased from 15 to 26. However, the basic requirements to be considered for a premium reduction remain unchanged for the time being. 
So long story short, in order to opt out of the extra cost you're paying the government for EI sickness, the employer benefit plan has to match at least 15 weeks of benefits for short-term disability, okay? Um, it must match or exceed the level of benefits provided under EI. So you cannot pay them any less than 55% of earnings to a maximum of 600 and something dollars. Sorry, I keep saying 600 and something. I know I'm gonna find it on this webpage. It's a pretty, pretty long webpage. Um, they must pay the benefit to employees within eight days of illness or injury. The elimination period cannot exceed seven consecutive days and be accessible to employees within three months of hiring and cover employees on a 24 hour a day basis. What does it mean when you say cover employees on a 24 hour basis? What does that actually mean? Well, it means that they, they are eligible to apply for any kind of sickness, illness, injury, disease that happened, whether it was at work or not at work. So this is different from workers' compensation. Workers' compensation, or as we call in Ontario WSIB, the Workplace Safety Insurance Board, um, workers' comp only covers you when you're at work. And if your workday is an eight or 12 hour a day, that's the time that you're covered. On a 24 hour day basis, it also says, well, if you got sick outside of work, or if you got sick for something that has nothing to do with work, like let's say you developed MS, that's what they mean when they say cover employees on a 24 hour a day basis. Okay. Then they say evidence of the employer's commitment to provide a short-term disability plan is required. In addition, the employer must provide an undertaking that they will return five twelfths of the savings to employees covered by their plan. So remember the fact that employees pay just under half of the amount. Well, the government's saying, look, let's just be fair. If we're gonna, we're gonna give the savings back to the employer, but employer, we're gonna trust you that you're gonna give five twelfths or just under half of the money back to employees in some fashion. And, um, oops. Oh my God, I just dropped my phone, but okay. <laughs> so how do you do this? How do you prove that you've given the cash back? Some companies give the cash right back but the vast majority of companies just say that they've taken the savings and they've reinvested it to improve employees' lives. Improvement could mean improving group benefits or even introducing a group benefit plan like the short-term disability plan. Um, it could mean throwing a party once a year that everybody goes to, although that I find in a post-pandemic world is hard to justify because of accessibility issues. Um, it could be that you improved everyone's pay by a little bit. You've just got a document that you've done it. And then, so there's the program guide, there's how to apply, there's requirements in the application form, and then there's the reduced rates. So how do you know how much money you're going to save? A lot of these plans fall into category three. There's four categories of what type of plan it is. Category one is a cumulative paid sick plan, which allows for a monthly Minimum monthly accumulation of one day and a total accumulation of at least 75 days. Category two, also an accumulation of days. Category three is a WI plan, weekly indemnity plan with a benefit period at least 15 weeks. And number four is a period of 52 weeks. This reduction is only available to public and parapublic employers of a province. So why do I say category three? Mostly because the very, very normal uh, staff will fall into the weekly indemnity plan with a benefit period of at least 15 weeks. The cumulative plan, that's I feel like that's designed mostly for people that are either working on an hourly basis, 
maybe it's a union plan and some multi-employer issue where they're working at different job sites or maybe they're working bits and pieces days at a time on and off so yeah different workplaces but I would say the most standard is category three so when you go to the rates you can click on the website I'm on canada.ca and clicked on employment social development EI premium reduction program when you click on the 2023 rates and multiples click on it and it'll tell you what the rates and multiples are so Corresponding employer multiples of the employee premium rate of 1.63% reduced rates. What does that mean? Well, the 1.63% is that's today's premium, but it's a percentage of payroll. So if the payroll, if that person is earning, let's just say $100,000 gross before payroll taxes per year, then the employee premium rate is 1.63% of that, or $163 that, they, that they're gonna have to pay. Then the rates, the multiple is here. So let's say of this person who earned $100,000, $100,000, and then the reduced rate, sorry, 1.63, did I do that math incorrectly? I think it's a thousand, yeah, it's a thousand sixty-three, sorry, $1,630. My math was wrong. Right, so then let's just scroll down to category three, weekly indemnity plans. I'm gonna pick the 12 months, the annual. Here's the rate, 0.3866, the percentage that you're saving, which is the same as a multiple of 1.163. So what does that mean? Well, remember how we said that for every dollar the employee has to remit to the government for this benefit and the employer has to match $1.40? Well, now if you introduce a plan and that person doesn't need to go to the government, the multiple is only 1.163 cents, meaning for every dollar the employer takes from the employee to pay the government, the employer takes from their bank account $1.16.3, okay? Which is a reduction of 0.3866% of payroll. So because it's, we're talking percentages, 3866, when you look at it over a payroll of a million dollars, it's actually $3,866 of savings per million of insured payroll. Sorry, I should back up. The example I used of the $100,000 pay is bad because we know that payroll taxes only are for insured earnings. Insured earnings meaning the amount that the government will insure. They'll say, look, we'll cover you for the first like $60,000. We're not gonna cover you if you make half a million dollars. Sorry, that's your problem. But we'll cover what the average Canadian wage is. So I think today the average Canadian wage is something like $62,000 a year Canadian. So there it is, that's the savings, $3,866. You can see with different categories, there's different amounts of savings, like, um, you know, special weekly indemnity plans that are 12 months, it's $4,200 of savings. But effectively what you've done is you said, look, for every million in payroll, we're saving $3,866. So if you've got a company with $10 million of payroll, well, that's a lot of money. That's actually not just 3,800, that's $38,000. $38,000 of money that the employer did not have to direct deposit into the into the government's bank account. And that's meaningful because $38,000, even if you have payroll of a $10, $10 million, 
$38,000 is meaningful and significant enough to the CFO of a company to say, I want that $38,000. The catch is, of course, that you're going to have to roll out an equivalent plan and that plan requires medical adjudication. Um, my, just to bottom line everything, after doing this for 15 years, I think the following is my most preferred strategy to recommend to any client. And what I do for my own business, I would say, look, opt out of the premium reduction, sorry, opt out of the um, EI sickness by enrolling in the premium reduction program. You just need to send like a one page policy. You fill out their application form, send it in. It's basically like name of the company, address, signing authority, and you have to update it once a year and you've got to update it every time the plan changes. So you are allowed to ask for medical adjudication because you're just trying to match at minimum what the government plans would match. I say you take the savings, you tell the staff that you have reinvested it into the benefit plan to provide a benefit plan that is competitive, okay? Then you self-insure the short-term disability benefit. You do not buy short-term disability insurance. Don't come at me. I don't care who you are or who you work for. It's a bad idea. That's a whole separate episode on why I think it's not a good idea to buy short-term disability insurance from a bonafide insurance company in Canada, but that's for another time. So I would just say, look, like if you're sick, you just tell HR, HR will send you to my favorite adjudication company in Canada by called OSI, Organizational Solutions Inc. They don't pay me to do this. Uh, I don't get a commission or a cut or anything. I just really love their approach. I love their CEO, Dr. Scott. I think they're amazing. Um, and then, you know, you pay a, an amount per claim. You pay a flat either, I think it's 650 plus HST per claim, plus I believe it's $125 application fee to get set up. That's number one. Number two, you just wait until there's a claim. So you pocket the $38,000. I, I think if you have $2 million of payroll or more, it makes sense to do this. Under $2 million of payroll, you start to get into the risky territory, but you can still do it. It's just that means you've got to really aggressively manage your claims and make sure that they're not getting out of control. This is also something you need to have patience over. Uh, you're not going to see a profit necessarily if you look at just one year. In one year, you could have multiple people going off on short-term disability and getting sick, but in the following year, they could come back and it looks like you'll have zero claims. So you've got to really look at this over a minimum of a five-year period, ideally even 10 years to see, okay, we saved $40,000 a year over 10 years. That's $400,000 of savings. High five, pat yourself on the back. That's amazing. On the flip side, how much did you pay in claims? Well, you paid OSI the 700 bucks per claim. Maybe you had two claims a year. And then for each claim, you had to pay them the uh, amount. So whether you match the minimum, which is 55% of earnings to a maximum of 600 and whatever, $20 per week. That's it. So you're going to have to pay that from payroll in payroll. You've got to call it something different. You cannot call it a regular, uh, pay or income. You've got to make sure that it is sickness benefits because that is real income that the employee has to pay CPP and income tax on. But of course the employee does not have to pay EI taxes on that. That would be a double taxation. So I think this is probably enough for today. That was about 20 minutes. Um, I'm going to come back and address this. I'm going to talk about why I think you should always self-insure short-term disability. If you really have a burning desire to um, debate me, my email address is yaffa at beneplan.ca. 
You can find me at LinkedIn at Yaffa Sakaja, and I'm the CEO of Beneplan. So thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.